Welcome back to another Late Night Latte on Latte Foam. God, it feels like it's been about 45 years since I was back. I went away on holiday. There were a couple of shows that I'd sort of missed, but it's so good to be back. And Arsenal, of course, right back at the top of the Premier League table after an emphatic victory over Nottingham Forest. Lots to talk about today. And yeah, what can I say? Uh, just a cracking show, lots of content. I'm going to get through some of the comments in just a second. But before I do, a massive thank you to everybody who's been tuning into the post-match phone-ins on Twitter via Twitter Spaces. The last one that we did last night after the Nottingham Forest game, more almost 5,000 people have tuned in. So if you're not on the platform, get on there. They are available as a recorded session via Twitter. Get on there. Have a look. Let's get through some of the comments. Henrik has been waiting in the chat. FK, you're back. What a town. What a man. What a beautiful football. Bring the slides with the sweet, sweet league table. Snack check. I got noppers. Oh, mate, it's so good to be back, honestly. And yes, I went to Turkey. I didn't get the treatment. There was a Photoshop going around on Twitter, courtesy of my good friend Wayne. Have a good chuckle at that. V Vlad, good evening, FK. Yem was all you gooners. Cannot wait for this late night latte. What a win that was. What a win it was indeed. 5-0, thumped Nottingham Forest. We are top of the Barclays, two points clear of City and five points ahead of the scum and the rest. Kieran4215, Eden the FK, high five. Haven't been able to catch these live recently, but looking forward to a gargantuan late night latte. Indeed, we will. Uncle Doris, evening all. I was starting to think that FK had abandoned us, but no, he's back and more chipper than ever. And of course, fashioning my arse and Benga fleece. It's good to it's good to be here. Tezzy Mai, don't ever leave us again. Mate, it, it, do you know what, Tezzy? It feels like it was just, I mean, it was just a week, week, 10 days, but it feels like it's been years really good to be back nsw Susia. sorry if i've completely butchered your name hello gooners uh, i love that um sundev johal musk himself has been listening to those phone-ins absolutely the phone-ins have been brilliant and sundev you are invited to be a guest on the channel uh, in a future show right almost 100 of you listening and watching live right now already do drop a like on the video subscribe to the channel if you're new and of course let's bring in some of our guests so first up it's usman yembele usman how are you I'm all right. How are you doing? It's been a while. I'm good, mate. I'm good. It's been a while. Do you know what? As all the comments have sort of been saying, like, I know it's only been seven, eight days that we've not done or I've not done a show on the channel because obviously I was away on family holiday. Um, but it does. It just, ah, oh, mate, the yeah, juices are flowing. I'm, I'm excited about this. Uh, how are you? Are you good? You've been well? After yeah, yesterday? I'm all right. I, 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 I'm well after, on, on half term duty at the moment with my little one, as you are. It yes. Is, uh, it's interesting, I would say. It's moment. a challenge, that is for sure. Absolutely. Uh, and talking of interesting, snack check, what you got? Oh, mate, it's a, it's a beauty today. It's the uh, orange fingers. Chocolate I've already orange. gone through half. I've gone through half of these already, and I'll probably get through half of all the rest of it just uh, through this thing. Man, man, chocolate orange. Uh, for refrigerated or room temperature? Refrigerated. It is a delectable delight, my friend. You, you have not experienced my friend. You are booked. Then, why have you not tried it? I have, I have. Art de Rocher of The Athletic got me into that. And to be fair, it wasn't bad, but room temperature rules all the way. Uh, right, NSW uh, Exusia has come back and saying, yeah, the Twitter space is spit as... Ugh, real mouthful there. Yeah, the Twitter space is super. Thank you so much. It really, really is. I love it. Tezzy says, those those hair photoshops were too much. They were really good. Navar says, hi. Uh, Hafiz says, love, love the Arsenal. Jacob, hi, FK, long time no see. A long time. It's been a long time. It's so, so good to be back. Let's also bring in Arsenal Was. Hey, uh, ooh. 
Okay. You've never looked so young and so handsome. It's, it's what, what's his comeback thing. is me? Brilliant. I love that. Happy Halloween, was how you doing, mate? Happy Halloween, fellas. Yeah, I'm good, mate. Very, very good. I enjoyed the weekend as always. Uh, but yeah, we're absolutely fine. It's honestly it's disturbing. It's honestly disturbing. That took it to a new level of disturbing. Oh, I won't keep it oh on. Oh, my oh, God. I bet it's hot in that mask. I know it's hot in your house, but uh, yeah, look, the people are loving it. Tezzy Bar is absolutely shocked. A piece of toast, what an elite picture and an elite username. Uh, he's he's having a good time. Uh, Uncle Doris, it's was, not was. Mate, honestly, it's really good to see you. And uh, Tony Rosanda says, Latte Firm, off to an excellent start. I mean, look, look at the state of these. Uh, was, have you got a snack tonight? Snack check with the mask? Funnily enough, I've got a little uh, orange number and all, but it's only some little Maryland cookies. I ain't going Ooh, what is that? Uh, little, little mini ones. That's not bad. No, yeah, it's, well, my snack check tonight is actually, well, there's a little bit of orange going on. It's more of a tipple, but it's the J2 orange and passion fruit. And do you know what? Even though it's tin, it's actually, which I love. Feel free to take the mask off, by the way, was Get comfortable. This is going to be a good show, a long show, lots to talk about. Let me just... Uh, I can't take it to that, that face. <laughs> that <moment. laughs> Oh my god, that's even, oh my god, that's even more. <laughs> it's good to have you. It's good to have you. Right, thanks everyone for tuning in. Arsenal, of course, have beaten Nottingham Forest by five goals to nil to go back to the top of the Premier League. Um, it was a really important victory given the week ending, I would say, to the Southampton game. Uh, thanks also to the alarm bells that were that were ringing at Ellen Road. We, we you know we managed to get over the that, that one over the line. Yesterday was about bouncing back and sending a strong message, particularly after defeat in Eindhoven. Uh, was you were there? Well, we were all there. Um, have I exaggerated the situation? Was it important to get back to winning ways yesterday? And how was the day out? 5-0. Glorious. Yeah, sensational, mate. You know, yes, three points. We knew three points was always the most important thing. But I think we all sort of had in the back of our minds, you know, this is the opportunity to put in a performance because of late we've looked sort of, tired not so much labored but we've looked physically tired we've sort of worked our way through games which is a sign of a top team as well by the way and that the more you see that you know the, the questions start getting answered is it a blip or are they genuinely running out of steam already and it's at that stage of the season but no that's the way you respond get the early lead against a team like forest we all know they're there for the taking but we've needed to bop someone all season and, and by the way we put in some performance there we look physically better again. I know it always helps when you're winning and you're scoring and you're free-flowing, but, you know, we've seen the, the introductions of influences off the bench and, and the squad's looking a bit deeper. We've got three left-backs. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's all over the shop. It's looking very, very promising. But I think ultimately, like you said, three points was key, but the performance is what I think most people wanted to see. I think that's what you've heard a lot of players current players Mikel Antonio on match of the day there's a there's a lot of people in and around the game that are sort of now acknowledging um acknowledging the Arsenal and and it's good to see and a performance like that against Forest <laughs> look at all this <laughs> all these comments about that mask to be fair, to just see you know to be fair Uncle Doris has just said put it back on put it back on uh, yeah fair play <laughs> uh yeah you and I were going into the game and, and obviously our usual sort of train journey and you said to me that it felt like it'd been a long time since we'd been at the Emirates and of course it had been there were a couple of games that we'd played away as I've just mentioned uh it was good to be back and again I think you were expecting uh, a home win as well I was expecting a home win I wasn't sure that we were going to tonk them in the way that we did, mainly because they had 
they had beaten Liverpool. Liverpool are still a good team, but obviously they are falling away this season by the looks of it. But I wasn't like overtly. I think you were more you were more feeling a, a big result than I was. Um, mainly because, as was said, there had been some leggy displays second half. You could tell physically we were starting to just drop a little bit. So I thought, look, we're going to win, but I'm not sure it's going to be what it, what it actually turned out to be, which is actually a good surprise. I think um, we'll go more into it, but it was a nice surprise how we did perform. And I think that's, a, as was said, a good mark of of a team who are challenging. Let's, let's you know, I'm not going to say... You know we're, we're going to win it obviously again, but we are challenged, we are in that, that top spot. So I would expect us to win, but good performance, efficient performance, I would say as well. You know, I, I said it on the space last night, I wasn't blown away by anything, it wasn't like you know, shot, 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 shot. It was an efficient performance, almost Man City like, in terms of we cut through them at will and got our goals, professional display. You know, we move on. We move on indeed. Let's bring up the first slide of tonight. So as per normal, the slideshow on your screens now. Uh, hopefully this will work uh, smoothly. <laughs> no, it hasn't. Uh, right, was <laughs> every time. I don't know what it is about these slides, but for some reason on this laptop, they just don't seem to be working smoothly. I want to get start with the team news, Was um, Strongest team that we probably could have played. But again, Mikel Arteta going for Tommy Yasu at left back. Uh, what did you make of that? Surprise again. Like it's, it is every week to me. I don't. Um, I'm still not convinced. Um, but ultimately, you can't argue with it, can you? You say you saw you saw the proof in the pudding. Really, you know, we've gone out there and got the result. So, but yeah, I don't. I don't know what it is with KT at the moment. It could be a number of things. He could just be very, very cleverly managing his fitness. Um, I think because of Zinchenko's um, sort of the way he hasn't been about at all. I think we're almost everyone was sort of guaranteed Tierney's going to play and. It might well have been that you know physically he might not be there, and it, and that could we don't know you know it, and it, it you know it's not people might think oh Tierney's done something to upset him and this and that but you know you can be fit enough to be involved in the match day squad but not quite fit enough to be put to the pump for sort of 70, 80 minutes at a time so if we've got someone like Tommy Asu that by the way we thought was going to be shooing start right back every week at the start of the season which soon changed very quickly so he's almost become the ultimate utility player. And um, with with real quality, he does lack in certain areas, but you know he get, he does a job. He does a very very good job, and 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 a lot of the best sides have always down the years have had players like that. You know, all sort of utility players that have just come in and done a job when they need to. So I do think it might be a case of managing KT. Be interesting to see because obviously he was utilising him in the Europa League games and then sort of trying to trying to integrate him again. Performance-wise, I don't think Tierney's been any different to what we've seen from Zinchenko. He's obviously a little less technically secure, but he's replicating the role and he's looked comfortable, in my opinion, tucking inside. He hasn't been a detriment, so I don't think it's anything to do with performance. I think it genuinely is down to maybe managing him, um, getting him through this period, getting to the, the warm weather training, I think, over the, over the Christmas period. And hopefully he's going to come back second half with Zinchenko and be absolutely fully firing again. But it, it's nice to see... Someone like Tommy has to just come in and be comfy, mate. Absolutely right. I mean, uh, now underscore Arsenal, who, of course, prepares all of these graphics uh, for the late night lattes, has actually just tweeted a, a moment ago that Sinchenko is back in training and potentially in, co in contention for Chelsea. Question for you was just on that left back side. If Kieran Tini doesn't get too much game time, you know where I'm going with this. As much as we love him, and as you know, you talked about it on the space yesterday in the post match phone in on Twitter about him being a um, 
uh, I think it was you, or it might have been Gav, about, you know, humble sort of upbringings, loves Arsenal, made a big move from Scotland at a young age, loves life in London, a very sort of down-to-earth, modest, hard-working, honest guy. But if a, let's say, Newcastle were to come in in January or next summer and, and offer silly money, would you sell him? <laughs> it's such a horrible question, that, mate, to be honest. And that's why yeah, I like, ask you, I don't want to answer Yeah, and, and, and to be uh, to be brutally honest, we all can see the guy's ability. And when he's on the top of his game, he's incredible. And what he does give us is a massive variation um, because it doesn't always have to be. And Zinchenko's good at switching it up a bit, but Zinchenko's more the technical tucked in, you know, and then Tierney's the more hell-raising up and down. He can do it, you know. He can do both, but I think he's more of a byline fullback. He likes to stay wide. He likes to get up and down. And it, there's going to come times where we need to adapt. You know, we need to have that option on the left and, it, and it, it will be in games. And if he does go and there is a large sum of money for him, we sort of need to replace him with a, a very similar, stylistically similar player. And I think genuinely he was a bargain. And fitness-wise, we're in a situation now where we can manage him. Um, so I think he would want to stay. I think KT would want to stay. He'd want to be part of this. He knows what it takes to be at the biggest clubs. I think ultimately there might come a stage where, you know, he'll get to the point of his career and he think, OK, I need to play all the time. But most of these top clubs, you look at the rotation in the full-backs, I mean, what Pep's done at City, you know, he went out, he had to, he went out and spent another 80 million or whatever, you know, it's, it's because they're, it's such an important role in football now. Whereas before it used to be, oh yeah, full-backs every week, we see the same ones. Now you've got so much stylistic variance and you've got the, the need for these players put so much effort into games that, you know, he's going to get plenty of fixtures, especially with European football and stuff. So I wouldn't sell him initially. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be looking at selling him in the summer either. I'd like to see him continue to to be managed correctly, um, get fit again, see if he can manage games. And I'm pretty sure the club will know more than anyone whether we might have to cut our losses on him and he might go elsewhere. And if he does move to a club like Newcastle or someone like that would be perfect for him. And and obviously, we'd wish him all the best. But as it stands, I, of course, don't want to see him go anywhere. And I want to continue to see him um, pull on that shirt and, and give his all as he does, mate. Because he's, um, he's the kind of character that a lot of teams would do, you know, really well to have someone like that because he's different. As you said, you, it comes from the heart of him. Yeah, you've just nailed it for me. I, I think the character of Kieran Tierney is exactly what you want around the club. Model pro takes it seriously, gives every every everything for the club. And I'd love to see him stay. You know, I, I've really sort of become fond of him and I like I love everything that he stands for, everything that he represents. Uh, you know, he, he loves to play every minute for his country. You can't knock a man that. Uh, a couple of comments coming in about Kieran Tierney. One that caught my attention about age. Avon says KT will be 28 next season. It's not true. Uh, Kieran Tierney's actually only just turned 25. So... When you think about the years that he's got left in the tank, in fact, I think Bobby's just come back. Bobby the Braver says KT will be 26 next season, next June, to be precise. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, Kieran Tini's, you know, hopefully here to stay. Uh, evening, Chan, just uh, just caught you in the chat. Um, we're going to talk about midfield and forward options shortly because, of course, it was a game about goals and uh, there's a special sort of feature, if you like, on Thomas Party and Jacka. But sticking with the defence, uh, Yem coming to you. William Saliba, we both thought, was imperious yesterday. There were moments in the game where he... We noticed and we complimented the way he sort of just glides across the pitch with his big stride and makes everything look effortless. But it's no coincidence that with Gabriel coming back, not as wobbly as he was in the Netherlands and the two of them, again, you know, it seems like week after week we're sort of eulogising about this defensive pairing, but they were both very, very impressive again yesterday. Absolutely. I mean, look, 
It is obvious that Gabriel provides that solidity for Saliba. Saliba is still a young defender who will make the occasional wobble if the right personnel is not next to him, if he knows that he's not comfortable, the person next to him is not comfortable. Gabriel yesterday was imperious physically as well. They've got a big lad up front. And he was literally, you know, Gabriel was literally just pushing him aside, you know, gently, you know, obviously not in a foul way, but he made it look easy. So did Saliba. But that's what they bring each other. They understand those back, the back three. And I'm counting White, Saliba, Gabriel, because White can interchange as well. They're so comfortable with each other. They know how they play. The biggest issue is what we've talked about, the left back role, because it keeps chopping and changing. If Zinchenko's in next week, that's again another change. Which we have to adapt for. So Gabriel, for all the and we've talked about it numerous times, he's had to adapt the most out of that back that back line. He's done a fantastic job. Yesterday there was a let's acknowledge it, there was a mistake. It happens, but for the most part of the game, he was outstanding. They didn't have a sniff. What did they really have much? And he was he was part of it. He for me, there was a part of it, and I said I said it yesterday. I think it was to, in reply to was where he literally barged the barged the attacker off, literally chest out, barged back with the ball and just gave it back to Aaron Ramsdale. It was beautiful. I loved it. He, he knew what he had done there. It, that's a mark of a confident player. And I like it. And I thought that radiates through Saliba. Saliba, we can rave about. He, as you said, he was gliding across the pitch. He made it look effortless when he had to. He had to actually, you know, reach a defense, reach the attacker. Didn't even try. Just literally, just. Put a little bit of speed on, beat beat the man, and just he made it look so easy. And that's what that's from his confidence in having a partner that's available. That's that's you know equal to him or will provide that solidity. Yeah, uh, I think you're quite right. And just to finish off the defensive mix, I mean, uh, was coming to you, Ben White. Is he the most underrated player in the Premier League? Do you think he's having a good time of it, mate, at the moment? I think honestly, he's. Um... He's, he's got it down to a T, Ben White, as a defender. You know, he's the, you know what he's best at as well, the little dark arts. You know, you, you get to see it. You, you might not always see it on TV, but if you just spend, if you get the opportunity to go to the Emirates this season, you get you, you just watch watch Benny White off the ball. Just watch what he's doing. And it's, it's been highlighted a few times. He's got away with a few. When the, when the team's been on the counter and he's pulled them down or tripped them up, he's on it all the time. He's relentless with it. He's such a horrible little shit. And he doesn't look like it. And that's what I like about Ben White because he, he's a big guy as well. But there's something about him that's quite endearing and he looks like, he, you know, he looks like you want to be his mate. But, but the reality is when you get on that football pitch, he's a, you know, he's a bit of a bit of a horrible animal. And that's, that's really good to see in there because the tenacity, the, the aggression, that, that's a big part of being a defender at the highest level because if you haven't got that, you're not going to make it. And that's why Gabriel and, and Saliba as well are so good because they're tenacious they're strong, they're aggressive. But yeah, Ben White, he's just got that little edge. And um, touch wood, he's never let it boil over. He's, you know, he gets involved all the time in games. But when it when it comes to sort of the, the boiling point, he just runs away and jogs off as if nothing's happened. So he is. And that, that, that comment there is great, the quiet assassin, because it's very, very true. Because he does so many little snide things and he's so clever at it. And he knows it as well. And you can tell oh, no, by his yeah. attitude... Well, it's his attitude in even the interviews he does and things like that. I mean, people might take it the wrong way, but genuinely, I think he's just, um, he's that kind of character. And I think he's, he knows what he can do and what he can get away with. And he hasn't overstepped the boundary as of yet. And he's been very intelligent with it. But he's, um, his ability on the ball was one of the main reasons he was a £50 million centre-back. 
And his ability on the ball now is one of the main reasons that we are so technically sound in, in progression of the ball in, in all sort of areas. But not just that, what I must say, at the start of the season, I was sat here and I was not looking forward to the prospect of Ben White playing week in, week out, right back. But what he has done, his improvement off the ball has just been absolutely astonishing in the final third. Because I watched him last season, Burnley at home, I remember under nil-nil, he was right back there and it was just painful. Remember those stages, early guards going, get round me, get round me. He's literally at walking pace. And now you look at it every week. I mean, even you see it for the first goal. You, well, I will go on and well, speak comes, about the goals. That comes yeah. from week, playing week in, week out, doesn't it, Was He's had that, that time to play week in, week out on the other side. It's been chop and change every you know every couple of weeks, hasn't it? That's the problem. Well, that wasn't it on? Um, weren't it on all or nothing when they sat Benny White down and the coach was saying to him, "You are the best learner. You are the most adaptable." Mm. And they know they knew there was a long term plan for him there, and they didn't. Fifty million pound for a, for a player of his ability this day and age who can play multiple roles is just frightening, and it, and he's got the physicality to play. Um, he's got the physicality to play as a centre-back, but he can also get up and down as a full-back, which is, you know, quite rare. And, and I think the full-back role, genuinely, I think is changing and it, and it will change through the years and it will revert back again eventually, like all roles. But he can do the lot and it's it's great to see when you've got two centre-backs as solid as we have and you know that if any point in time something happens, then he's going to step into the middle and Tommy Asset will go back out to the right and all will be rosy. So... Yeah, it's exciting times. I think it's the defensive solidity that we're relying on at the moment. But yeah, they seem to have got it down to a T. As a lot of comments are saying about the dark arts, Tony Rosanda says, I'm always looking for Ben White at the edge of my screen for the off-the-ball dark arts. There's been images going <laughs> yeah. around on social yeah. media with a forward of some sort of some description on the floor and Ben White sort of arching over and looking at them menacingly. And it's good to see. And it's really interesting about the physicality was you mentioned it again. You know, Tommy Asu is six foot plus, Ben White, six foot plus. They're both our fullbacks. Gabriel Saliba, very aggressive, front footed, you know, read the game well, proactive defenders. Like Arteta there has a group of four players who are physically imposing, physically, you know, almost intimidating. Um, very, very difficult to beat. A long, long may it continue. Uh, there was a mention about William Saliba. Uncle Doris has said Arsenal now informal talks to Saliba regarding a fresh con contract. That's right. Uh, David Ornstein broke the news this morning. He is under contract until 2023. And of course, we have a year's further option. But the club is in talks about a new long-term deal, which is going to be music to every Arsenal fan's ears. Right, let's move on to the match itself. Uh, some of the stats, courtesy of PremierLeague.com. Uh, we're going to need a bigger screen at this rate. But Arsenal, of course, beating Nottingham Forest by five goals to nil. We will talk about some of the goals in isolation. As we always do, just a quick glance through some of the key stats. Uh, of course, winners 5 nil. expected goals. There are different models. I've seen them vary between 3.4 and 4 uh, to 0 0.5 of Forest. Really one-sided affair, as you can see on the field, field tilt chart there on the right-hand side, courtesy of O underscore that underscore Crab, Crab stats. Um, shots, 24 shots on, on, on goal for Arsenal compared to Forest's five, nine on target compared to Forest's two. We had 18 efforts from open play, including a delicious finish from Thomas Party, which we'll talk about. Possession-wise, completely bossed it. Almost three times the number of passes. Uh, you can look at the field tilt. I mean, it's just completely a sea of red. Final third entries, more than three times what Forest did. I mean, this was, yeah, as close to one-sided domination as you can get. It was a very, very easy and convincing win for Arsenal. Yeah, massively. I, I mean, I haven't. That's why I said it was a very efficient before. I wasn't blown away or anything because it wasn't end to end or anything like that. It wasn't gung ho. It was 
us being very clever in how we move the ball, opening up the gaps. We stretched Forest out. I, I, I've, you know, coming back to they had beaten Liverpool. They weren't like second best. It wasn't lucky goal or anything. They had beaten them pretty. Well. You know, they competed and done well. So again, I was, I was thinking that they would come here and compete. It was. It wasn't even close. They, you know, maybe it was the passing. Maybe it was just we were cleverer. But I didn't see anything of note. There wasn't really anything of note apart from the Gabriel, you know, misplaced pass. That gave him an opportunity, but it was pretty terrible. There was really nothing up front for them. And, you know, midfield-wise, didn't even register. It was more of us being, you know, we were slowing down the game. We were we were dictating everything. When we want to slow down and conserve some energy, we were the ones doing it. It wasn't Forest were pressing onto us. Their press was non-existent pretty much. I think our pressing actually... I have to say it was back to normal. It was a really good, efficient press, and especially Erdegaard. I thought Erdegaard, Je- Jesus as normal, were instigating the press really well, and it was it was apparent that they were struggling with the pace of the press, as well as you know mo- how quickly we moved the ball. I loved how you know before Saka went off, how quickly we moved it from from one wing to another, really stretching the play out, which is what Arteta was trying to do. And I saw it on match of the day too. You know, we were very high up the field. We were congesting them. It was this, what we've talked about before. We were trying to box them in and we did it really well this time. They didn't have the players who could efficiently beat the press and get out towards us. So it made our job a lot, lot easier. And from there, it was then the case of how efficient we were in front of goal. And we can talk, obviously talk about so, yes, so, so, so let me pick you up on that. Obviously, everything that you've said is absolutely spot on, but was we've taken the lead after five minutes, Gabriel Martinelli heading home from a lovely Bukayo Saka cross. But at 1-0, before we look at the goal itself, we were guilty of, I say, you know, not going for the kill against Southampton. You know, we had Southampton on the ropes. We maybe run out of legs, run out of ideas in Southampton. We, we let them get back into the game. And of course, we dropped points. At 1-0, we've gone into half time at 1-0. Are you beginning to get anxious? Because the second half was completely different. It was like chalk and cheese. We came out, scored early and then really battered that door down. Yeah, it's a little bit timid. I think... Um... It's a bit of PTSD from last season, really, with Arteta, because he, uh, he you know, he he, get, he takes the lead in games, and it, it got to the stage where it was almost as if he didn't quite believe we were good enough to go on and um, really put teams to the sword. And I think gradually, as as, we, as the personnel are improving and we're getting better, and, and and the younger players are becoming more clinical and effective, and you know, we've added proper top players like Jesus to that attack. I think he now feels more confident, and the, and the way we're playing higher up the pitch, as Yem alluded to. You know, I think he then believes it'll take its natural cause and we're not... I mean, last season, we'll all remember it, we took times where we take the lead and that's it. We sit back, we sit in and it's almost as if, OK, then we'll counter with with Saka and people on the counter-attack and use our pace. But the reality is now we're at a stage in, and, and as Yem, as I say, alluded to, we've, when we can squeeze so high that I think now Arteta's more confident it'll take its natural cause. But I think it was just sort of going for the motions. We, we, we weren't... We weren't creating enough, you know, to really sort of justify that. And as you said, we obviously put our foot on the put a foot on the pedal again in the second half. But realistically, other than the, the goal, um, we had the Jesus chance from the when he cut inside and hit it hit it over the top of his left peg, and then obviously a, a lovely move, Jacka making that penetrative run down the left again into that final third, back to Martinelli, cleared off the line. So apart from that yeah we were one nil up and it was sort of not in the back of your mind I never thought the match was in doubt it was just more of 
a thought of, you know, we really need the performance here. You know, we're going to get the three points now. We're all totally dominant, totally comfortable. But it'd be really be nice to see us come on, come out and and, and, and express ourselves. And, and that we did. We did indeed. So let's talk about the first goal. Gabriel Martinelli, you know, it was important to me uh, that we started well, started fast, scored first. And we did that. Five minutes on the clock, Bukayo Saka picks up the ball, dinks it in and Martinelli with a, well, I suppose a neck-breaking sort of dash into the box to really sort of poke home. Um, surprised me, uh, that goal, just sticking with you was. Um, Martinelli mm. with his head and nodding home. I mean, when I, when I when I saw the replay, I was expecting it to be Gabriel Jesus, but it was young Gabriel. What, what did you think? He's got previous. Remember, he don't remember the one he scored in the Europa League. Very good header. Um, whipped across from Tierney from the left, fired it yes. in. Yes. That's what I think he... Um, He's, this is what I talk about, Martinelli. He's got a lot of the natural qualities to be a number nine long term. And it reminds he's very similar to Jesus in a sense. He's technically secure. You're seeing him more and more. The more confident Martinelli's getting, his decision making now has just become incredible. His weight of pass, his choice of pass, everything is evolving at such a rapid amount of speed for him. He's always had the raw attributes to be a number nine. And I think that he, him on the press, he's a monster. He's physically strong. He's very quick. He gets in goal-scoring positions, left, right and centre. But as Yemi alluded to earlier, the press was spot on. I think we was down in the corner with Xhaka and they, they won the ball back off of him and they tried to get out. Tommy Asu, bang, straight on him, wins the ball back. And then as soon as we open out, Martinelli shifts it. That What I'm saying about the decision-making, the speed of decision, the, the, the weight of pass out to Saka. But not just that, he's played that and then he's gone again. And it, Jesus is, is out wide. So essentially the centre-backs are... You know, they're just marking thin air. So to them, the danger doesn't exist. And then when someone is running at that speed, Saka's put a fantastic ball in. And again, Benny White on that overlap. You watch it again. That gives Saka that opportunity to make that same pass. Seen it time and time again. And a lot of our success is, number one, because we're doing things quick and incisive. But number two, our off-the-ball movement. And it was just a, a byproduct of the way we've been playing this season. Again, it was a lovely, lovely goal. So, yeah, the speed of the cross made it very easy for Gabriel Martinelli to, not very <coughs> easy, but, you know, it, it really aided his ability to, you know, just concentrate on where he was going to put the ball. So, it's just a fantastic goal all round because we squeezed so hard. We got our left back on the left wing, 25 yards from their goal, winning the ball back. We break out, winger to winger, winger to winger, see you later. And that, and that is just fantastic. And that's without someone with the quality of Jesus in there. Jesus, party, Jacker. None of them even had to touch the ball. We went from wing to wing, wing to wing. What a goal. And that's that's the way you break down a team. You know, we're going to sit in, get, get that early goal and say, we'll try and sit in now, boys, because it ain't going to happen. Yeah, you're quite right. Uh, Bakayo Saka, of course, going off with an ankle sprain. Not quite sure how long that injury is going to be, but... Reese Nelson was, we'll have plenty of time to talk about Reese in terms of his game, his future, his potential in, in, in a slide or two. But focusing firstly on him coming on and the goals. Yeah, I'm coming to you. When Saka went off, obviously your heart sinks, you know, you're anxious, you're worried, you're sad. Were you surprised when you saw Reese Nelson's number come up on screen and come onto the pitch? I think everyone was. You know, he hasn't featured very much recently. You thought Fabio Vieira would be coming on because he's played that role in the Europa Cup, in the Europa League. So it was a it was a pleasant surprise. Do you know what? I'm rooting for Reese. I've said it before, and I'm I'm with Was. He's got talent, and I just I was actually really I think everyone on the team was really happy to see him come on. You're just hoping he did what he did. You know that he would you know take it. You know he would take take the opportunity, and 
we want he's a halo boy we, we all want him to do well regardless you know he's got the, and we all know he's got the quality it's just that last little bit the, the the last percentage that's missing off his off his game which takes you know people from uh, a youth player with promise to a first teamer like Kaisaka. Maybe it's taken longer for him, but we all, we all want him to do well. And it was, you know, a, a pleasant surprise. And, you know, what what transpired after that was, you know, truly, you know, something that I think every Arsenal fan was ecstatic about because the way he influenced the game was, you know, massive for him as well, you know. Yeah, massively. I mean, when he came on, I, I tweeted immediately, like, this is a tremendous opportunity for Reese. It was a massive surprise to me. I think like you and and, and like uh, Anik Faisal just said that, you know, he was expecting Fabio Vieira to come on. I thought maybe Vieira. I thought maybe even um, Inketia, uh, sort of, you know, early doors and sort of shift Gabriel Jesus around. So when number 24 went up, I was like, oh, Reese, this is this is unexpected. Yeah. You know, what an opportunity for the young boy to take. And of course, as Lawrence Mount says, so happy for Reese. What a lovely surprise. His first goal, yeah. Obviously, second half, we've come out. He's basically sent two holiday, sent two defenders on holiday. <laughs> They've sort of slid <laughs> off into the sunset. And then he's had his shot saved by by um, Dean Henderson. And then, of course, he's retained that composure to then hit it with his other foot into the top corner of the net because there were a couple of defenders on the goal line. I mean, the composure in a situation like that, when you've not played for the first team in so long, to be technically that ready, that alert, that, uh, I suppose, agile and that quick in thinking, brilliant. Really good to see, right, Yem? Really confident. The thing is, is that, you know, when you come on and it's been a while, you know, he hasn't played in the Premier League for, what was it, three, four years or so? Yes. And he's he's come on and it's a, it's, it's, it's a Premier League game. There's no, there's no hiding away from it. And you could tell for the first few minutes, simple passing, get yourself into the game, get comfortable. And then obviously when he gets to the penalty, when it gets to that position where he's in the penalty area, he's got to make a decision. What a decision to make, you know, to drop the shoulder, switch it to the left foot, try try the attempt, saved, good save by Henderson, but to be aware, as you said, to smash it in with his right. Very, very confident, very composed. And that's what you want to see, that he takes the opportunity. He didn't fluff it. He was confident enough to try and make that opportunity himself, which is what we need. We need these kind of players. And this is why I'm rooting for Reese because he's another weapon. I want that weapon that we know he's got the, the ability to be. He's got the, the tricks. He's got the skill. He's got the confidence. And, and we want that kind of weapon in the squad because it's invaluable. We all talk about Sancho and Reese growing up together and being this, you know, being quite alike. But Sancho, you know, has faded off. Is it now, you know, can Reese? really cement that place and be that extra weapon, you know, through, you know, a, a long path that he's taken through Feyenoord, through Hoffenheim, you know, it, it, it's, it's great. I hope it continues. This is the question that it's, it, you know, that we've got to find out. Well, he's, he's obviously going in the right direction because three minutes later he gets his second and was coming to you. I mean, he got his second so quickly. Were you expecting him to score again? <laughs> and what a nice little finish towards the, you know, across the goal it was. It was, and he also started the move in, on the edge of our own box, by the he way, Reese Nelson. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, you can see the reaction of the players. You can see the the, the outcry on, on social media after the game of a lot of people that have been involved with him, not just people like James Madison and players like that as well, who clearly know the levels this boy's got. I mean, I know we'll talk in depth about Reese maybe, but th this kid is 22 still, and, and, and it's very easy to... 
players like Saka and, and, and that, we've got a very young squad and they've come onto the scene at such a young age and everyone expects players to be like Saka, but it, it doesn't always happen. And Saka might get to a stage where his career where he has a lull and that probably will happen because he's been introduced so early and hopefully he gets a longevity out of his career and we don't sort of harm him because he's played so many games at such a young age. But Reese, um, yep, he's had injuries. He's been in and out. He's been on loans. But the one thing that has never been doubted by anyone involved in him is, is his ability. And that is not in question. What maybe is in question is when will we see it? But I do think what it's very difficult to judge a player like Reese Nelson in a disjointed side in the Europa League and, and he takes his chances. He's got fits and spurts. That's not fair. It's not a fair way to judge any young player. Um, and certain players have come in in them Europa League games, you know, and they've made an impact. But then when they're in the first team environment in the Premier League, surrounded by the better players, they sort of not hide, but they, you know, come into their shell. Whereas there's certain players like Reese, who I do genuinely believe will benefit massively from being in that settled, balanced eleven with us, with a role, with a way to play, knowing what he's doing. And and like you said, the second goal, I mean, on the edge of the box, he wins the ball, spins out, Jack, a brilliant first time ball. Again, what we were talking about, Martinelli, intelligence, just waited, delayed. We saw the counter, went out wide. And as all this is happening, Reese Nelson slowly working his way in. Jesus spots him. Unbelievable pass, by the way. What a little clip ball that is. And the finish is just so nonchalant, makes it look easy. But, you know, it's all, it's all part of the development. And, and for a player like Reese, there's, there's there'll be a lot of Arsenal fans that haven't had the joy of seeing him when he was really young and, and don't really know what the hype's all about. They've heard about it, but haven't actually got to experience what he can bring. I mean, this kid, genuinely, his, his ball control, his ability, both feet, he can spin on a sixpence, he can go left, go right. He's very technically secure. He's he's happy to play on either wing. I actually prefer him on the left, on the inside left role. But I think um, mm. with with Tommy Asu playing out there at the moment, Martinelli's sort of really retaining that whip. So it's nice to have, again, the other option. Um, but Reese really has got all the feathers to his cap, mate. He, he genuinely has got so much ability. He's a great striker at the ball. He isn't scared to hit it, as we saw with the first one. He isn't scared to hit it with his left. You know, brilliant control. Everyone, I'm telling you now, most players in that situation, that first shot, they'll smash that over the bar with that right foot. Because rush of blood to the head, here's my big chance. But when you just take that touch, slow the whole game down, all right, he's lashed a shot at the keeper, but... Then he's responded, what a finish. And I don't know if you've seen it, Xhaka's standing there the whole time like this. Yeah. Before, yeah, he's literally, before the before he's even hit with his right foot, he's standing there with his arms in the air. And I think the reaction of the players and 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 his strength and ability to really take that confidence, Reese. it was, you could see with a celebration, it's like, wow, this means the world to me. And it, it's actually happening now. And I've got the opportunity to play amongst this such a great team at the moment. And seeing him come in, and like I was saying, the way he's so technically sound, technically secure, so skillful, so good at dribbling, so close and intelligent, he's the kind of player we need in them areas. And Saka does it in very different ways, but he's equally as intelligent. But it's nice to have that variation. And and if Reese can start contributing and Saka and Martinelli continue to keep up these numbers and we do add someone like Reese, and we go out in the window and, and maybe add another, we're very, very strong. Very strong. But I think... Um, also, you cannot now, people might think, oh, all right, now he'll go on and score at Stamford Bridge and he's going to, the next 15 games going to be unbelievable. It might not work like that, you know. And it's, it's a process for him. But seeing him be incorporated and integrated into that solid first team and, as you say, given that opportunity, 
not Enketia running channels or Jesus wide or Fabio Vieira, Fabio Vieira being pushed into positions. And by the way, Fabio is younger than Reese, which is mad to think. Um, but yeah, 22 years of age is no age. Sadio Mane at 22 barely even you know broke into senior football. And look where he went on Southampton and went. So it's very promising. But we all know he's got all the tools. We know he's got the tools. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's exciting to see. And on a personal level, of course, I want him to do well. I've loved him for years and years and years. But it's not about that. It's about what happens for the Arsenal. And I just the reason I'm so invested in someone like Reese Nelson is because I know what he can bring to this football club. It's not it's not a delusion where you support a player and you believe in him and all this sort of nonsense. If he's not good enough for me, don't play. But when you can see the quality there, I know what he's got and I know what he can do. And I'm just praying that he continues to progress, continues to improve. He gets physically stronger because that's a big part of it. And that's something that Martinelli and Saka have both done leaps and bounds over these last sort of 18 months of senior football. They've physically become monsters. Reese will get there. He's quick off the sprint. You know, he's very short and sharp. He's one of them players that can really burst. As I say, he goes both ways. He can hit strikes with his, from long distance, short distance. He's a really, really good player, mate. And um, go on, Jim. Sorry. Can I ask a question to, to both of you? Do you think Reese has had to do a different, you know, was alluded to it. He's had to travel a different path than, say, a Bukayo Saka or a Martinelli. He's not been, he was this big star, you know, judged to be this big, you know, big next thing. Didn't work out for him. So he had to try a different route, going off to Hoffenheim, then to Feyenoord. And he's now 22. Do you think that he's, you know, that it's the change in maturity he's realised? This is now my big chance. I will not, it's not like when you're 18 or 19 and you get into the squad, I should be playing. I'm the next big thing. I should be doing this and I'm doing that. He's now in a position where he's like, he's, his contract is coming up. Will he ever really play for another big club, the level of Arsenal? Is, is, is that in his head? Do you think that it's now, I'm now mature enough that I have to take this opportunity with both hands. I cannot let this go because other players have. And where are they now? You know, Benikafobi, these kind of players. They've all said, I'm bigger than this. I'm, I'm a big player. But Reese has now had this experience. Do you think that's maybe push, will hopefully push him into that kind of mindset of, I need to be, you know, be that kind of role model. I need to work hard on my game. I need to make sure that I'm ready for these opportunities when they come along to show the gaffer that I can do this and be that. I mean, you know, I mean, Mikel spoke about that, didn't he, after the game, about how he's applying himself better in training, how he's switched on men mentally, sort of matured a little bit. Uh, and players like this just have to wait for the opportunity. I mean, had Saka not have got injured, you know, maybe Reese doesn't get an opportunity for a long time. Saka has that position nailed down. Martinelli has that position nailed down. But I think Wazza said it right. He's never really had a consistent run of games in the team doing it stop start you can't just turn it on like a tap and just expect the water to flow like beautifully like it's really difficult and the other thing that i saw on twitter was that reese nelson has largely played in europe europa league games or, or league cup games where he's playing with a mixture of talent whereas he's now in with the first team and when you're in that sort of environment i would imagine obviously being a layman you elevate your game because you're playing with players who are you know, on the same sort of level, like intelligence-wise, they've been playing together. They're just, a, you know, much, much better than like a Europa League mix, for example. So he's only going to thrive in that environment. And of course, you know, we'll, we'll talk about recent in just a second. Um, was did you want to say anything to, to Yem's question? I'm not sure what the question was actually. I mean, like he's been he's quite a no, just that he's, 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 he's 
you know, his path, you know, he's got a different path. Has that made him, you know, think about his career more? Because obviously he's up to, his contract's up as well this year, don't forget. I think, um, I think in, in this day and age, you know, the young players get so much exposure and it's so, so much more accessible to watch football at that level. There's, you know, internet, there's videos, YouTube. Years ago, players wouldn't have been that exposed. And I think he's still right at the beginning of his journey. And just because people have known about him since he was 15, 16, you know, he's, we've had these videos, seen him growing up. He's been through all the youth levels with England. And Steve Cooper obviously managed him for the under-17s. And, and there's been a big hype about him. It's not easy, and you, you don't just you don't just turn up in Premier League football and and take the piss. You know, you just you don't do that. There's very few players that do, and and when you do see, that's why it's so special when you see young players doing it because you think, wow, like, come on. But then, as I say, you get you get people like Mane who, you know, put 25, 26 Southampton move on to Liverpool and turns into one of the best players in the world and moves into his thirties. Incredible. Reese has still got a long way to go. He's got a lot to learn. They all have. And 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 it, and it just shows the level they're at now. If they continue to progress, continue to take things seriously, continue to get, get more physically dominant, and understand the game more, which is all of our young players, and and mainly for me the wide men, uh, Martinelli, Saka, and and Reece Nelson. Once they start contributing numbers, which they are consistently doing this season, which they wasn't last year, which was a big part of the reason we did not compete. Um, I know we were nearly in the top four, but it was a big part of the reason we fell away because the numbers just weren't quite enough. And then when push came to the shove, the, the, the young boys were getting shoved, not in a horrible way, but they were. And that's not happening anymore. And I think with Reese, I think you do make a good point, Yen, that he's maybe had to readjust and, and it's sort of not happened as, as, as quickly as the others. But I do think it's still just the very, very beginning for a player like Reese Nelson. And I'd be more inclined to be looking at the guy when he's 25, 26 and saying, Okay, where can your level be then? Because he's still got a lot of growth in that time. And if that means he's a squad player for the next three, four years, rotating with Martinelli and Saka, then that would be unbelievable for our football club because he's only going to get better, and they all are. And if we add a sort of an additional wide man into the mix, you know, and we start seeing the contributions that we've had from Martinelli and Saka continue, there's no reason why we are, we, we're creating a monster here. We genuinely are creating a monster. So it's exciting times. And I just don't want too much pressure on Reese. Like we had too much pressure and reliance on Saka and Martinelli. But, you know, it's all coming to fruition now. A few years down the line, we took a bit of pain to get the gain. I know it's an old cliche, but we have. And I think Reese Nelson still might have to go through periods like that. And although his path's been different, he's going to need to experience times playing for this first team in the Premier League where he will step up like he did the other day. But he'll also have tough games and he, and he might not succeed. So, you know, it's going to be exciting to see where the path takes him. But I do would say, for me, it's very, very early. And I think he's got a long way to go, a lot to learn. But he's got so much ability that it's only exciting and it's only going to be good for us. Well, all he can do is take his chances and taking his chances is exactly what he's doing. HFN asked a question which I had on screen just a few moments ago. I know Sancho and Reese were childhood friends. What's the connection between Reese and Madison? Some, someone, I think, followed up with England... Unders potentially, yeah. uh, I think. I think, yeah, was you, you're nodding. I mean, J James Madison was very quick on the socials yesterday to pray to praise his brother Reese. Uh, so I think it's obviously just a personal relationship. We're going to talk talk about Thomas Party's goal on a separate slide because I want to focus on the the Party Jacker sort of dynamic and why that's really important for Arsenal. But let's finish off the goals with. Martin Odegaard. I mean, yeah, I'm coming to you uh, at the start of the season. I think it was after the Palace game, our very first post match phone in on Twitter. Uh, you were quite critical. Odegaard's obviously tuned in, taking it personally. 
Uh, but what a goal uh, yesterday to to get himself on the score sheet. That's what you want, isn't it? You want the captain. You want him in that role to be getting in amongst the goals, constantly arriving in the box, taking chances when he gets them. And what a finish it was. Uh, I mean, you must have been really pleased to see Odegaard get on the uh, score sheet, yeah. I thought he was actually really efficient. He was quietly efficient through the game, actually. And the goal just crowned it off. He wasn't he wasn't doing anything that was gonna light up the you know, light up the world, but he was being quietly efficient, his movement, the space. The one thing we always underestimate, and I have been critical of Odegaard, is you know, his press from the front, his space creation was elite yesterday. You know, I was just noticing how he was taking up positions and then pressing. Arteta's actually said it that before he was pressing kind of like a headless chicken. You know, he was always pressing, always pressing, but not being very efficient about when to press and how hard to press. Now he's more of a case of, I know when to press and how hard to press, start creating that instability in the opposition defensive area. And it showed yesterday because the Forest team, to be honest, again, we talk about it, were really not, there was lack of confidence when they were passing the ball around into the, from the defence into the midfield. And I think, Erdogan was playing, Erdogan and Jesus were playing a big part of that because they were unsettling that defence so quickly. You could see it as soon as their central centre-backs got the ball, bang, Erdogan or Jesus on them. It was it was immense. And then the goal just capped it off. I thought it was a really well-taken goal, nice clean hit. And I've said it before, he has got the technique to, to strike it however hard he wants. Look at Kevin De Bruyne now. The shots he makes are beautiful. And I know Erdogan is equally as capable of that. His technique and his 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 you know his cleanness in striking the ball is immense and when I see him you know hit some you know awful shots I'm thinking that's not him maybe it's just you know as it, he's still 22 it's it's really weird to see when he mishits a shot or something like that but otherwise it's it was a faultless performance from him. I thought he had an exceptional game actually yesterday and I thought you know it's one of those ones where he's under the radar and the goal just elevated it into that you know, I, I, you know, just showing off what he is. And I just hope he continues. Again, I will say, and I am, I'm being super critical again of him. The last couple of games against Southampton and Leeds, like the rest of the team, he's been tired. You can tell that. So he hasn't been as in the games as with it. The next weekend is the big one. I'm looking for a big performance from him in that game because he is, he is one of the stars of the team. You, you're looking to your stars and to your leader. He is the leader of the captain of the team. I want to see him perform against the, against Chelsea, you know, slipping balls through, making space, pressing from the front, all of this again, and a goal, if, if it allows it. Before we move on to the midfield uh, duo, uh, Ant Grinder says, some rival fan yesterday, who is this Reese Nelson guy? Don't tell me it's another Arsenal youngster on the up. I can't handle it. <laughs> Mr. Chixby says, another Arteta masterpiece in the making to get Reese to sign the thing. Hopefully Do he you know what does. Was do you know what was the funniest thing about yesterday? Someone actually said two people on their fantasy football league captain Reese Nelson. Yeah, triple How do you know? I mean, do you what, know what, that Reece what sort of medication are you taking that you you triple captain Reese Nelson on a game That's like that? Right. There was also a chap who had 125 quid on Arsenal winning 5 0 and Martinelli scoring first, and he won four grand or something. Uh, anyway, look, was let's get on to your area of specialism, which is, of course, the central midfield pairing. That is, this is going to make you laugh. Thomas Party and Granite Xhaka, not that, but this. What a goal. What a strike. <laughs> um, I mean, look, let's first talk about the goal, okay? Because when, when he scored, that's the image that came into my head straight away. We've all seen this cat, uh, this cat picture on Twitter. Um, he scored the goal before uh, against Spurs, as you can see in that image, courtesy of now underscore Arsenal. 
when it opened up to him, he was in, you know, acres of space. He's obviously run up to it and he's just curled it into the top corner. And ironically, 10 minutes later, he smashed one into row Z, but let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we were when we caught the ball. Was but to start with, let's let's talk about his goal scoring and just his general his performance in general before we start talking about the importance of Party and Jacker to this team. Thomas Party a few months ago spoke very openly about him dropping four out of ten performances. We know that he struggled with injuries when he first sort of arrived, and he it took a bit of you know acclimatizing and a bit of getting used to the the, the pace and the ferocity of the Premier League. When he's now playing in that lone six role, there there are people now saying that he is the best at that in the world. Talking about Thomas Party was just sensational football. We'll get quickly on the goal. We'll we'll brush over that first. Not brush over it because it was absolutely phenomenal. But and I know we might go on and speak about Gabby Jesus after. But just when we say he's in acres of space, if you if you get the opportunity to watch it back again, watch the thirty seconds before and watch what happens. Gabriel Jesus drops so deep, right? He takes the takes the midfielder out of the equation. Then what he does, when the ball goes wide to Reese, Jesus is on his bike, right? So then that midfielder then panics and thinks, instead of retaining his position and looking at Thomas Party, he's chasing Jesus. And Jesus is running towards the centre-backs and marked anyway. So it's the subtle things like that, which is then the midfielders made the mistake, but it's all caused by off-the-ball running, by positional play. And that's why Jesus has been flipping incredible. He does things all the time like that. But, you, you know, we, we do see it. But if you do get the chance to watch it, it's just brilliant to see because he drops in so deep by the halfway line. And when he plays it out wide, the midfielder's gone. And when Reese Nelson slows the pace down again, gets control, and that there, that you know, the geezer's gone and the space has been created. And again, Thomas Partey is... He's learned now to be able to hit the ball really fucking hard, but not actually hit it very hard, which is a skill. Because previously, all he ever used to do was hit it very, very hard, and it was, you know, and that's what that's why everyone's going. Wee! He, um, but he's, he, he, and I'll bet you, I'm telling you now, he's been practicing that. And I, I'm, we, we spoke about it. They're doing, yeah, they're doing it in the exactly, mate. And I'm telling you now, they will work on that over and over and over again. And the situation with Jesus and the space creation. And whether it happens by overlaps from Ben White or it happens in the middle of the park, if the midfielders make a mistake and they drop so deep, these teams, where we squeeze them so high, if the, if the centre midfielder drops off, it's going to give parties opportunities. And when he's doing stuff like that, I mean, the, the, the curve on it was just, it's just one of them moments, even though it makes it, it, it makes it makes it like the game's completely dead and it really doesn't matter. It's one of them where the whole stadium was going mad because it was such a good goal. And it's, there's there's very few things in football as nice as seeing a ball struck like that, is there? Maybe when a left footer does it, it's a little bit better. But that is that was just so sweet. And it, the way it just hits the net and you just see, I think it was um, Gabriel, you can see him in the background and he's just going, oh, not again. Like He's <laughs> just so good to watch, mate. But it, Thomas Party. No, sorry. No, no, I was just saying it was a brilliant goal. And it, listen, uh, you're right. I think it's a well-drilled thing because even pre-Spurs, I think it was a fixture last year against Spurs where he had a long-range shot and Lloris had to make an exceptional save. It's something clearly uh, that, that, that they are working on. And and listen, for every 10, 15 Rose Z attempts, if he's going to whack in a goal like that every sort of five, 10 games, I'm all for it. Thomas Party, the player though, was. Uh, he has established that number six role now as his own. He is being described by players, ex-players, media as the best in the world at it. Um, 
just how important is he? And I suppose move us on to the conversation about the spine of the team. You know, we talked about it on the post-match phone in yesterday where you've got Gabrielle and Saliba, then you've got Party and Shaka. That sort of rectangle that, that, that we've got there. T- tell, just talk us about that. Just immense, mate. I mean, Thomas Party as an individual, without going overboard, he genuinely is one of the best players I've ever seen live when he performs how he has been. And yet, 104 passes the other day. Over 55 of them were progressive forward passes. This guy is so penetrative; he breaks lines for like for fun. If you saw and 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 Jacka party, I mean Jacka's movement off the ball this season has been an absolute joke. We saw it for the the, the second goal, the through the ball. I mean Jacka's on his bike through, but Thomas Party's pass is so incisive. Balls over the top. He played that one to Jesus, didn't he? And, and Jesus got in behind, absolutely sensational. He's played a 60-yard pass on the sixpence to his foot. And he's, it's just, there's nothing that this bloke cannot do. He's so strong. He's so quick. He's so intelligent. He's been ridiculously powerful. His engine is mental. As we said before, he's ball winning. He is the most complete midfielder I've seen for a long, long time down the Arsenal. And we've had some brilliant, brilliant players. And there's not many since Vieira that you can put Thomas Party on top form. Thomas Party is on that bracket of that physicality, that all-round game, the ability to do absolutely anything and everything at any stage in the game. But he just brings us so much quality in there. He oozes class. And it's ironic that he's getting to the later years of his career. And that's when you're going to start seeing the very best of someone like Thomas Party. Because I think all these years at Atletico being drilled by Simeone, being played in a different role, he's now dropping back. But he's got the progressive passing. He's got the ability to see it. And he does it and he can execute it. But not just that, he wins so much ball and he's so, so important for us. And I just think he's irreplaceable. And, uh, and it's not nice to say that about a player, but it's true. I just don't think you can replicate what he does. And as we said last last night, it would be more of a a slight change of style if you, if you had to sort of go long-term because we've seen Sambi and he's very young and other players try, but you can't replicate Thomas Party when he's playing the way he is. But the, the, the partnership he had with Granite Xhaka all down the years when they played together, they've been bloody brilliant. And they're now doing it in a different way. It used to be a, a sort of a double pivot, a, a flat two, if you like. And, and Xhaka was seen more of the the reserved player that would control and dominate. I mean, I think yesterday Xhaka only made about 38 passes or something, which is absolutely bizarre for someone like Granite Xhaka. He used to be the 100-passer man, 100-passer game man. And, and to see him utilising his strengths and his massive credit to Mikel Arteta to be able to, to witness that and spot that and say, Actually, do you know what? We've we, we got something here because teams cannot deal with a six-foot-two granite jacker making 50-yard lung-busting runs and breaking lines. And Thomas Party can put the ball through a needle and he done it and he keeps doing it over and over again. So them two, their partnership has evolved to a, a different kind of partnership. It was previously where they were so strong and physically dominant side by side. It's now sort of they look for each other so often in games and that is the line-breaking pass because often the forwards and the wide men, that's how we can keep our wingers so wide because Granite Xhaka is creating that additional man and it is so, so good to see. And when you add into that, the two centre-backs that can both pass are both ridiculously strong, quick. This is why we're so good. And teams are starting, we're getting the recognition now and and, and I think we're growing as a fan base. We're starting to see it and think, nah, this is mental. This is actually mental. We're so good. The more and more you watch it, the tough tests we've had, we've stood up, you know, we've, we've been to battles. We've had probably the Southampton game was a poor performance. Leeds, we've battled out. And then we return and perform like we did. But Tommy Party, I mean, 
he could genuinely play for any team. When he plays on top of his game, I think he'd play for any team that's won the league down for all years. I think that's how good he is. And I know it might think is an exaggeration, but to do it, he's got to do it now, do it over two or three seasons and stay fit, then he'll be thought of as, as one of the, you know, the real elite players in Premier League down the years. But when he plays how he plays, we've spoke about it time and time again, he's grown into this role. He's getting to the latter stage of his career where the next three, four years, he's still going to be so dominant in there because he's not, he doesn't cover massive distances. But what he can do is cover the distances in short, sharp spaces and he's always in the right position. He, he's very rarely having to chase someone's tail, you know, which is so, so good for him. But that four, we spoke about at the start of the season. We're speaking about it now. In Touchwood, we've kept them together and, and in the big games and going somewhere like Stamford Bridge, I fancy us. I fancy us to turn up with that strength, with that power, with that variation in our game, with the fast, aggressive, exciting wingers, with that bulk, that nucleus. At the moment, the only way we're conceding goals is individual errors. And they will happen because they're young players. And I'm not saying we'll never concede a goal again once they get older. But what, what I am saying is teams are really trying hard to score against us, you know. It's, it's, it's really difficult to break this side down. And that all stems from that real core of them four. And outside of that, we've seen it. We're changing fullbacks. Fine. Down previous years, it would have been a nightmare to change a fullback. End of the world. But because we've got that settled structure, and Martin Odegaard in there as well, obviously, it's not fair to miss him out. But he's, as Yem says, he's vitally important. But um, he sort of operates in a different way. And it's maybe not as, as blindingly obvious. But, yeah, it's just exciting, exciting times. And and the real acid tests, we've seen it against Liverpool. We've seen it against Spurs. They're, they're, they're the, the big games. Absolutely brilliant in midfield. The second half against Liverpool, when Thiago in the first half was having a bit of fun, they turned up and they said, hang on a minute, no, I'm sorry, me and me and Granite Xhaka here, we're just going to take control of this midfield and we're going to take control of the game. And when they do stuff like that to teams like Forest, I, I saw them doing the analysis on Match of Day 2 last night saying about um, Thomas Party, they just give him so much space, but they, they were forced to give him space because he's that good and we're that yeah. good at creating the space. It's, it's, not a, it's not a myth that they can't get near him. And it's it's almost like he's 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 unpressable, which sounds stupid. But he can if people get tight to him, he's he's off. If you get two, three men around him, he just you know he's he finds a way out, and he's so strong. Very rarely loses the ball, and he's a, he's just a top player. And um, I think he is the key to to any ongoing success at this football club. And 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 it's it's sad to pin it that much importance on him, but I think you have to because he's just a joke, mate. And he's getting better, which is which is the mad thing. So yeah, brilliant. I love that. Yeah, I mean, when, when you listen to what was just said about Party and Jacker, obviously being the the the, the two end rectangle, uh, two end points of the rectangle ahead of Gabriel and uh, Saliba. Looking ahead to January, Yem is a central midfielder of a decent caliber. Maybe not necessarily a number six or a number eight in particular, but just someone who can play at this sort of level. Is that the priority for you, Yem and Jan? Yeah, it has to be. I think we all acknowledge that, as was has said, Party is indispensable. But that's also caused a problem in that anyone who's come in, because we have to wrap him up in cotton wool because he has got an injury record, has looked pretty much off the pace. Sambi, and maybe it's wrong because I, people have said, oh, Sambi's going to be the next party. No, he's not even going to be close because he's not that player. We can all see it. But as I've said on many occasions, is there anyone in world football who is really that close unless you drop 100 million on a Declan Rice, you know, who I think is as probably the closest to Jacker? Sorry, to party in terms of passing range, athleticism, tackling, you know, pressability, you know, playing his way out the press. 
only Declan Rice to me seems like the obvious choice. Otherwise, you're, will someone who, who has a similar ability be able to want to play a second fiddle to the party? Because as was said, he's only 30 now, 29, sorry. And he's in a role which doesn't necessarily need pace. It needs thought, you know, a, a quick mind and, and, and good technique, which he has. It's like Xhaka as well. Xhaka is now coming up to 32. But you wouldn't say that he's diminishing, is he? He's probably getting better as it goes along because he's being asked to do different things. So it's, I would love to see a six come in, but the problem is, is that do we, do you spend your money in January knowing that if we, we, we are challenging for the Premier League, but you won't get the player that you want? It's this dilemma that we always have with the January window in that potentially, and I'm not saying this is anything def definitive, or a Milinkovic-Savic would be great, but... The thing is, I think Serbia are in the World Cup, aren't they? That price is going to go up. Well, well let's and wait and are, see. Let's but, wait and see, but I go on. But the thing is, is that, again, if we buy a CM and then he is back, do you do that or do you drop the money a bet, to get a better midfielder in the summer when you're more likely to get a... It depends, on, mate, it depends on availability. If there's someone there, that you know, the one thing that I've learned about the last two, three windows is that we have to trust Edu and Arteta's talent ID. They've, they've nailed it pretty much every time in terms of the profile of player they're going for, the background situation. I, think, I know there was a last gasp dash for Douglas Louise, but there might have been very good reason for that. And I think uh, if we go for a Danilo or a Declan Rice or whoever it might be, if there's a chance to bring in Safic after the World Cup, we do it. Um, suspect, yeah, it's so important that we keep that we keep this midfield fit. And Thomas Party, by the way, has just turned 29 and Granit Xhaka last month turned 30. So not quite 32. And, but, and but uh, The thing is, I suspect that we will get someone like a, you know, a Tielemann, something like a cheaper deal in the January window if we go for something. Because I don't think, you know, Ineli, and Lenny's coming back. If you And Zinchenko as well, we forget, Zinchenko can play the midfield role. It's not ideal, as was said on a couple of occasions, but... He does play that role. So you have got options when the squad is fully fit. This is the biggest problem that we have. We we, we are injury prone. Those two, you know, Jacka aside, when Jacka went down yesterday for a while, everyone was going, oh, it's not great. It's not ideal because you know the backup options. Unfortunately, we have talked about this. There's, there is a level drop when you get to our reserves, holding El Nene, Sambi. There is an unfortunate level drop. And we all know that, which is why, we are so wary about rotation, about keeping players fit and, and any injuries that occur. You know, it's, we are, you know, we don't have the quality in reserve yet. We're not there. Indeed. Uh, right, Was I uh, just want to focus lastly, before we look at league tables and stuff, uh, our forward options. You mentioned it in passing just a, a few moments ago. Uh, obviously, we've talked about Reese Nelson. I think we've talked about him at length and, and how emotional he was after scoring his goals. But Look at the stats there in the Premier League of goals and assists coming from, obviously, Martin Odegaard, our creator, our wide men in Bukayo Saka and Gabriel Martinelli, and, of course, Gabriel Jesus leading the line. Uh, last year, when you look at, you know, we had Lacazette and Aubameyang and whatnot, we were struggling to get goals from across the team. This must be a real positive for you, Was Huge. It's absolutely huge. Said at the start of the season, mate, that a a lot of our success this year will rely on Saka and Martinelli being able to take the step and then start adding numbers, real numbers. You know, there's performance-wise, they've been you know really good as young players, phenomenal. But ultimately, 
at this level, the top, top end, the players are judged by numbers in wide areas. You have to be in this day and age. It's not, you need to contribute. It's not like before when you had two two strikers and old-fashioned old 4 4 and, you know, the wingers could chip in and stuff. That It's so, so vitally important that the wide men are really getting good numbers and, and, and see Erdegaard um, stepping up and, and, and start contributing more numbers will be, and that, that will continue to improve. And we spoke about it before. I think he'll end up breaking out and, and really start contributing numbers eventually. Um, Jesus, ironically, Numbers for me are irrelevant about that geezer at the moment. I know it sounds like I'm talking absolute nonsense because I was just saying numbers are vitally yeah. important, and they do still matter with Jesus. Of course they do, but he's got five goals, six assists. Like it's, it's not like he's not contributing, and he's his all round performance is a massive part of the reason that um, any of our players are able being able to get these. The, the, the way how hard he works. No, he does too I, much I don't, because I don't. And, and hear me out on this. I think there were moments in the game yesterday where. He was so far like back, you know, sort of almost in line with our defensive line. And you're thinking, this is Forest. We have a capable defence. We have two very, very good midfielders sort of in and around Erdegaard. Does he need to drop so deep? Uh, but I take it, you know, it's unequivocal for you. Like what he's doing is just brilliant. Well, it, for instance, if you take into account, like we talked about, the, the move pressing forward with, with Xhaka making them line-breaking runs. A lot of the time he's making them runs, it's because the space is there. And he, he's not... Jesus is never going to be a centre-forward that occupies the two centre-backs. They don't like playing against people like Jesus. They're a defender's nightmare. You ask any 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 top centre-back, I bet you they'll tell you, I, don't, I want to be physical. I want to feel my man. I want to, you know, I want him there. I want to be able to hold him, hassle him, do stuff, you know, really be involved with him. Jesus just does what he wants. And he's got elite quality, genuinely serious, serious amounts of quality. When he pops up in wide areas, his decision-making is exceptional. Like the, the, the little layoff to Reese for the first goal, he's so minute, but he's got himself in that position. He knows exactly, he's seen the picture. He knows what he's doing there. He's, he, you know, and it, I get why people think, okay, he's, he's, you know, he's tracking back, he's so deep, he's this and that. But he's well, got, like Terence got... says, Jesus needs to work smarter instead of harder. Now, listen, what you've said is absolutely right. And I love that about Gabriel Jesus. I just wonder, just, you know, playing devil's advocate, would he perhaps be more influential up front and score more goals if he didn't spend so much time chasing pretty much everything all over the pitch? I I do, yes. But what I would suggest is that systematically, that's not what we require from our... I think we're so hungry for an out-and-out out number nine that scores 30 goals. They're few and far between in modern football. I know it sounds stupid, but they are. You've got absolute monsters like Haaland and, and people like Harry Kane that, you know, they're just natural goal scorers. But, you know, there's not loads of them out there. There really isn't. And I think the way, the importance of him on our system and what he does, it, it's like he's the player that everyone wanted Lacazette to be or we, we was trying to convince ourselves that this is what Lacazette done for the team. When the reality is, Lacazette, you know, he, he lacked in many areas. But Gabby Jesus, I think people want to see him as a number nine, as an out. And he can do that. But I think we're benefiting more as a team from him not being that. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a two-pronged attack because at times you do need to see it. But don't forget, the other day, how many opportunities did he have as an out-and-out out number nine when he got in them positions? He's on the shoulder, the ball over the top from party, he's through... Yeah. Touch was better, you know, he scores. He had the one-on-one, -on -one, through one-on-one, -on -one, the side foot, Dean Henderson, good save, should score. So it's not like he's 
completely void of them areas where Lacazette didn't you, you'd never see him in the six yard box. You'd never see him on the last man. Like Jesus does the lot, but I think because of the way we play and, and the way we progress through the lines and, and we've got players all over the park, it's why teams can't handle us. Because they're not expecting to see Granite Xhaka make 40 yards runs. They're not expecting to see wingers tuck in and balls going left to right. And then the next the next attack, the wingers are completely out wide and they don't know what they're doing. And then the space is there in the middle and we progress through it. So it's exciting to see. I just think with Jesus, he needs to be putting away the chance like the one the, the one I alluded to, the, 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 the side foot he should have scored. And unfortunately for him... Thing is, the thing is with Jesus, and I noticed this, and I said it to Faisal actually as we were watching the game, he just looks like he lacks a little bit of confidence in front of goal at the moment because he took an extra touch. I think he was a through on goal. And he, mm. I think if he was fully confident, he would have smashed it in first time. But he just looks like he's, I think he's all getting to him. You know, like there's all this talk. He has never been the main man in the, in the team. He's always had someone around like an Aguero or something like that. He is the main man. Everyone is talking about his goals. Oh, he's not scored in five goal, games and all that. But he just. I, I, I see what you're saying, Yem. I'm not sure if it's a lack of confidence. I just think sometimes, you know, he's getting in the positions, he's getting chances. That's what you want to see. If, as long as he keeps doing those, he will get goals. And, and, he will and get sometimes goals keepers are just going to make saves and sometimes you're just going to hit but a ball wide. Say, and... Wouldn't you say, do you remember that chance I was saying yesterday? He took an extra touch when I know Gabriel Jesus has got the touch and technique to take that first time. And it has, every player has it. They have moments of doubt. Every player does, especially when you're being you know, focused on so heavily. Do you remember he said in his press conference, the goals will come, the goals will come. This is the first time he's had to deal with intense pressure on him as the main man now. He, he's before been understood to someone, even at the Brazil level. He is now being focused on as that player who should be delivering goals. And I absolutely, I think he will score goals. He's making too many chances and getting on the end of too many things not to be. I think it's just him being confident in himself because he's a, he's an unreal player in terms of his ability, he should, and he's got some amazing technique. We've seen it, the, you know, the no, you know, no backlift shot for, at the start of the season. He's got it. Just, he, just, just, yeah. And just to look at, look at City last season, look at his role in that team. Yeah. Look how important he was for them. And the only reason, we all know the only reason he's left is because they've signed the best striker on the planet. Simple as that. And, that, and that's not a slight to Gabriel Jesus. That's just fact. Because Erling Haaland is a joke. So, Mate, the, the, as long as we keep, if we're scoring five goals and he's had three decent opportunities, you know, in a game, I'm not worried. Exactly. I'm really not worried. And, exactly. and, and, and you know, it, it, sooner or later, I'll be running away like that again. And, it, you know, it's not going to be. I think pro you know, he's probably going to do it at Chelsea, isn't he? If, you know, fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed, mate. But Excuse again, it, it's not just, just, yeah, <laughs> just, um, it's not, for me, I'm not concerned. Like you said yeah, there, FK, if he's not getting the chances, that's what I always say to my mate Chaz on down the pub. If you're not getting the chances, mate, you're never going to end up taking one home. So keep plugging away and you'll get there in the end. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, Chaz. Oh, uh, right, let's, uh, let's close like we normally do with the Premier League table courtesy of PremierLeague.com, as you can see on your screens. Arsenal, the biggest club in the world, are back top of the Premier League. 12 games played, 31 points. We are two points clear of Manchester City. It's now back to Manchester City. Can they handle the spice in this title race? Uh, Spurs getting very lucky right 
with a you know last gasp winner from Bentancur down at Bournemouth. They are obviously in third place. Uh, that was a better comeback than Antonio Conte's hairline. Newcastle United <laughs> going really strong. Big winners against Aston Villa at home to St James's at St James's Park, climbing into fourth. I wonder if they can maybe sustain a top four challenge. Manchester United scraping through with a one 0 victory at West Ham United yesterday, of course, in the late Super Sunday. And Chelsea, uh, where we head next Sunday, getting battered at Brighton, potable out of the window. I wonder. I wonder uh, if they will be a wounded animal or whether they'll be on the ropes and there for the taking for us. But look, lads, the league table is looking really good. Liverpool sinking down to ninth after their uh, home defeat. Virgil van Dijk's first defeat at Anfield. Uh, William Saliba's only been here about eight weeks and uh, he's got Van Dijk shaken. Um, look, it's looking, it's looking really good, isn't it? I mean, look, we're top of the league. I suppose a different question for you guys. Uh, we've talked about maybe, you know, dreaming about the title, but... At what point was coming to you first? Does it become potentially a reality for you? At what stage do you think we're in the title race? Is it 25 games? Is it 30 games? Is it come March, April? Like, or is it even now? Like, you know, how do you assess it? It's difficult, mate, because we've been really good. You know, we've been really good. We've had a small bit of adversity. We've bounced back every time the situations happen. We've had little period of play where we look tired we know that january is going to be very important for us we know that we need to in order to to maintain this continue this we need to keep certain players fit and that's just a no-brainer and if we are unlucky at, uh, at any stage of time you know we're going to have to deal with that then but the reality is i just think um we all know that city are, are such a good side they really are a good side we just need to keep doing us. And I know it's an old cliche, take every game as it comes, but we really do. You know, we're going to Stamford Bridge at the weekend. For me, going into the season, looking at the expectations, if you want to get Champions League football, I just think in them big games, I think away from home is a free hit. I think providing you perform at home and you get the results, I think you can go away to these places. If you get anything, great. If you don't, don't worry about it. We'll beat them at home and then there's no one, no one's a winner. It then comes down to the matches against you know, against your forests, against teams like that, against situations where you've got to get ground points out against teams like Brighton, not get absolutely battered, you know? So they're the ones that matter. And I just think at the moment, it's very exciting for us. We have played some big teams, even against United. You know, we, we were far, by far the better team. We all know we could have won that on another day. It's been hugely promising and it's hugely exciting. And we are a formidable team and we're getting a lot of recognition from a lot of people within the game. You listen to all the different managers that have been speaking about us, and they have. And I'm quite surprised how many are actually coming out and saying, you know what, there's been a lot of players who are playing current football. Mikel Antonio, you know, he was full of praise for us. He's saying, like, look, they're really becoming a good side here. And um, they all know we're not easy to play against. We've got so much variation. There's a lot about us. We're big, strong, aggressive, which straight away puts you on the front foot. And when you can combine that with technical ability, which we have done, and intelligence... Why not keep going? But obviously the next two games, if we can get through them, stay in the top two. I mean, obviously it's a minor miracle for us to lose both. And, you know, but we should go into the World Cup top two. If we're top of the league, it's going to be nice for Christmas. Um, great. But ultimately, you've got to still keep taking every game as it comes because it genuinely is 12 games in. And every time we come on here and we say it's only eight games, it's only six games, it's nice. You know, it's bloody exciting. And for me, looking forward, 
we're still progressing. We can still add. Arteta's getting better. Everyone's getting better. We're going to have moments throughout the season. We spoke about it. We have seen it already. We've had little wobbles, little things, but we've responded every time. We keep going. We keep getting better. Another five goals there. We've slapped the team finally. We got that sort of out of our locker. Let's go through Thursday. Nice, good result. Nice confidence booster again. A few goals for some some of the boys. Maybe maybe Jesus come on and get twenty minutes towards the end and and try and get a couple of couple of goals to boost his confidence because fitness wise keep him ticking over. And then Sunday morning, twelve o'clock in the bloody you know what a stupid time on a Sunday. But there we go. We go there. We turn up and we get some Andre Santos vibes and score five again at the bridge, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose, yeah, just on that note, and just, just, and just to end... Sorry, just two seconds, just two seconds, just to end the show, yeah, looking ahead to Stamford Bridge, um, are we going there to win, yeah, or would you be pleased with a draw now? You're going to this win? Why? Uh, you always go to every game to win. If you're in this position now, where you are, as was said, a strong team who've got a good record behind you, look at, the, look at those wins. You know, it's it's superb how we're doing. You go there, of course. You're going there to win. You're not going there to play for to play half chances. Chelsea are, you know, are not what they were. It's still a challenge. Let's not be let's not be unrealistic. But we've got a great team. You, if we can get, a, as was said, a solid result in in the week against Zurich to cement that Euro that Europa League round of 16 plays, job done. Do it with minimum injuries. Wrap up everyone who we need to for the Chelsea game. You know, I, why would we not go there to win? We are the better team on form. You know, I I know they've got good personnel, but it's not anything that we should be overawed about. Play our game. We tend to do well in these big games, as we've seen. You know, the pressure situations, the midfield do well. I think Chelsea have got issues in terms of the structure. Clearly, Potter is doing some work, good work, but the Brighton game has shown that there are elements to their game. You know, Sterling's off form over. You know, as was said, we're in good form. It's a, I think all all our fans are very realistic in terms of we like where we are, but we're not getting carried away. It's 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 a realization that we are good, but there are steps that we have to take. But if if we keep plugging away, there's no reason that we can't be in the mixer towards the end. It's also how ambitious our owners are towards that January window when we, you know, when it opens up. Do we say, look, we're going to drop? X amount to really improve the squad. They have done it. They have got past history. They've done it with the Rams, for example. So it, there are a number of factors. But again, the Chelsea game, I'm not... Look, you, again, he said, as was said, it's a free hit, but it's a free hit where we're going in full of confidence. I don't think we should be anything but confident. Yeah, We always, that, yeah. at the bridge, cool. we always, always, always get chance at yeah. the bridge. Even when we're shite, even when we were really bad, we get. We used to have chances, you know, but it's how clinical you're going to be, and we will get chances. We will, we will create chances. We we just need to be clinical, and that is where we talk about these young kids. Or Jesus, come on, my son, little actress <laughs> you know at the bridge. But if, but if you look at their defence, Koulibaly has shown that he is quite behind the pace in terms of the Premier League. You're going against Saka, potentially Reese Nelson, Martinelli, and Jesus going up up against him. That's I would be licking my lips on that one. It's, well, let's, it's, let's not talk too soon. And I've got to wrap it up. We've been going for just over an hour and 15. So listen, um, Chelsea is obviously a big game. We obviously have Zurich in the meantime. That's on Thursday at the carpet. Uh, be interesting to see what team Mikel Arteta fields. And of course, a very short turnaround 
from a Thursday night to a Sunday midday at the bridge. So let's see how we get on. If anybody wants to follow Yem, he is, of course, at Verge59. And, of course, was. Thank you so much for joining again. Uh, he was, is at Arsenal was. Uh, and, again, in closing, I suppose all I'd say is um, do tune in to the post-match phone-ins on Twitter. They are becoming more and more popular. Uh, I've just checked 5,000 people tuning into the last one really is fantastic it is the biggest and best post-match arsenal phone in you can get on twitter spaces we'll be back at some point maybe this week after a post-match sort of zurich chat and then of course we'll have a, a preview of the chelsea match at the weekend uh thanks yem thanks was look after yourselves have a tremendous week stay dry if you're in the uk and uh, up the arsenal until next time it's bye for now